This is Quarantine Conversations. Brought to you by the Pacific Museum of Earth and our host... Hello, I'm Daniel Gowerbach. Is Daniel. In this podcast, we aim to show what it's like to be an Earth, ocean, or atmospheric scientist. There's a lot of diversity under that umbrella, and not all of our scientists wear lab coats. Today on the podcast, we're talking to... Today we're celebrating scientists of color in EOAS and their contributions to how we understand our planet's processes. Uh, today our interviewee is Shuiwei Lu, uh, a geochemist. Sorry, did I say that correctly? Shuiya Lu, that's fine. Shuiya, sorry. <laughs> Now, in this series, we aim to meet people at various stages in their uh, scientific studies. So would you consider yourself to be a student, a teacher, a hobbyist, a researcher? A researcher. A researcher? Excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, And how would you describe a geochemist? Um, I think geochemists are someone who studies how uh, the natural geological processing that is occurring in the in the in the outside and when we're trying to combine this science with understanding how the reaction is going to contribute to all these different um natural phenomena that we see such as you know ore deposit formation you know environmental impact from uh, uh, extracting a mine and you know how mine tailings affects uh you know the downstream of uh carbon cycle or or the water cycle, the global cycle overall. And, you know, geochemist is someone who studies um, more in-depth into the natural process, the natural inorganic process that is occurring in the the natural environment and that related with rocks, rivers, water, uh, ocean, and the atmosphere. Um, We study inorganic stuff that is something that is not alive, uh, that does not have cell or veins, or that doesn't need photosynthesis to support. Okay, excellent. That's, uh, that's not a field that we often think about uh, when we're, you know, little kids growing up. How did you get into this field? Um, it was kind of a, <clears throat> a total luck, I would say, because when I was applying for my master's, I, I, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. And I, I applied to many places and I finally got two different offers. Uh, from from University of McGill and and UBC here with uh, Greg. So uh, between the two topic, one is on ore deposit studying and exploration stuff. I chose carbon sequestration uh, in carbon capturing using mine tailings from the environmental perspective. So I, I like this subject compared to the other one. So that's what makes me choose this field and how I, I actually get into this one. I didn't know much when I choose it, but that's, this is something that sounds very appealing to me when I, was, when I was making my decision. Absolutely. It seems like there's a lot of, um, a lot to explore in that field. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, speaking of which, have you made any discoveries that you're proud of? Uh, for my master's, what I've studied is um, trying to uh, characterize the reactivity uh, of mine tailings to sequester CO2. So basically my research focuses on quantifying the amount of these very fast leaching magnesium cations that is capable of fast reacting with CO2 to, to form carbonate minerals, sequester CO2. So I've come up with, I've defined this concept of labile magnesium as a tool to uh, use it as a, 
as a tool to define the capacity of a mine to sequester um, the amount, to define the amount of CO2 that they can sequester per year using per tons of tailings, um, you know. But I'm doing it uh, using laboratory studies and geochemical modeling. So that sounds really, really complicated. Um, you're using mine tailings, so like the, uh, the waste from mining operations, right? Exactly, yep. And to sequester uh, CO2. So um, like, are you taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and trapping it in these tailings somehow? Yeah, so uh, CO2 reaction with mine tailings is a natural process that people discovered uh, in the past decades. Oh. Uh, it's it's something because mine tailings are just sit there in the atmosphere and it's naturally reacting with CO2. So, but the capacity isn't that high. So what we're trying to do is um, by understanding the geochemical process within this, this natural reaction, this natural process, then we can, we can found ways to accelerate them, to maximize the potential and eventually use it to offset the carbon emission that is produced at a mine. And that way we can help to uh, mediate certain amount of carbon dioxide emission and to help mediate climate change from a small perspective. Certainly not a lot, but we're contributing, considering that a lot of mines in BC are paying for, mine ta uh, for carbon tax and all that. I think this is, this is a step towards a, um, a carbon neutral or maybe in the future a carbon negative mine. Well, and every little bit helps. Um, yeah, because you know, at mines, they also use a lot of trucks. They, they emission a lot of CO2. So, so that's a lot of source of CO2 that, at, at a mine. And it's really interesting to look at something that's usually so environmentally destructive, like um, mine waste, uh, mm -hmm. and turning it to good. So that's, that's a really creative approach. Mm -hmm. um, is that what you're currently researching, or are you researching anything else? Yes, this is what I'm currently doing for, for my master's project, and, and I'm trying. I, I will be doing something else later, uh, but uh, I think it's still probably going to be related to this field. The topic is not going to change. I'm still going to be doing carbon sequestration studies using mine tailings. Yes. Excellent. Mm -hmm. uh, now, do you do a lot of field work? <clears throat> Uh, no, I don't personally do a lot of field work. I had a little bit of field experience back in undergrad, but um, uh, I don't do a lot of field work personally. And you did your undergrad overseas, right? It, yes. No, no, I, I, I did my undergrad uh, here. Oh, okay. But, but I'm from China. Okay. So I did my undergrad in Toronto, but m me personally, I'm from China. So it's overseas for me. But right. Not, not, not outside Canada. If, if that's what you mean. Um, you were mentioning that you've done some field work in China, though, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit, yes. Yeah. Did you notice any differences with Canadian field work? Uh, so in China, the field work uh, condition and its attention to safety, I would say, isn't as good compared to what I experienced in Canada. Uh, people are less precautious about a lot of small little details and stuff that could happen outside the field. And that's what I feel a little bit insecure about. And also the, um, the conditions that are usually uh, we're exposed to in China is a bit more extreme compared to Canada. Uh, you would have less access, you know, to uh, water, electricity for a pro lawn a little, a little bit longer. And, um, Food-wise, uh, it's probably not as as prepared sometimes. So um, 
but yeah but overall i don't see i don't see i can't speak too much because i didn't do a lot of field work in china and just a little bit but uh, personal experience wise um if i were to do a lot of field work then i probably prefer uh canada okay mm. um although you did mention that uh when you do canadian field work you have to be careful for um some unexpected visitors right <laughs> Uh, yes, exactly. So when I was an undergrad, I did I did a mapping field work, and we encountered bears and stuff in in Ontario. Uh, that is something that that you won't actually see in China. So that that's kind of a story. When I was an undergrad, that we're mapping, we saw a mother bear and a bear cub. Uh, they were, uh, I think, around ten meters away from us when I found it, and then they they they. It, I think they're just. Uh, black bears so they're not that dangerous and they just walked away um we didn't go we didn't go like interrupt them or something it was quite an experience it was kind of fun to see a bear that's my first time in my entire life yeah <laughs> i'm sure once is enough right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you don't get out into the field too too often uh do you mm -hmm. find that's challenging um challenging I do you find you need to do field work to do your research? I actually, I actually do, honestly. Like, I think with what I'm doing in the in, in tailings and and for carbon sequestration, honestly, I would like to uh, to do some kind of uh, field scale experimental studies at a mine, you know, at a mine site, and uh, to to be able to apply it and for, to give myself an understanding of how big of a scale are, are we aiming for for an industrial level for this work to be applicable. So honestly, I would, I would prefer to do some field work for my future research in this topic. And, and I think it's going to be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Interesting. Although it's interesting that you've been able to do so much uh, with, with doing so very little field work. Um, in, in geology, we often think of um, everything is having to be done in the field, but you're actually able to do a lot with computers and computer modeling, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of my work is experimental and modeling. So in geology, you don't you don't just do field work. I mean, it's just a, a perspective of things. And personally, uh, when I do geoscience, that's what I'm scared of, and I'm not a, a field work pro. I, I I'm not very good at it, and and I I prefer to do. Uh, not so much field work as well, personally, because um, it's not so convenient for me as a girl outside too. So uh, after getting into this field and getting into my research, I'm really happy about it because I don't have to do that much of a field work. And even if I do have field work, it's the kind of condition that I'm okay with it and I'm happy with it. And I get to uh, really do stuff and, and, and I get to make it, and I, I'm doing it for certain purposes. I'm not just, you know, um, exposing myself to uncomfortable conditions. Mm -hmm. and, and um, most of my stuff, I do it on computer, I do it in a lab, and I do some field work for application purposes. Uh, so for geoscience studies, I don't like the, the uh, what do you call it? The, the stereotype of people thinking that we just do field work and we just work in the middle of nowhere. That's not how geology works. And there's so many different areas. There's ocean, there's atmosphere, there is geochemistry, there is geophysics. You mostly do computer work and lab work. And, you know, it's not just field, definitely. That's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, now, your research, it has some real world applications, right? Yeah, yep, totally. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, so my research, um, 
I think I've mentioned it many, many times. We've been working towards uh, how to make this technology applicable for different mining companies, for them to be able to, uh, you know, you really use this to their benefits to offset their carbon emissions, to help them, you know, uh, maybe pay a little bit of less of that carbon tax in BC, if you're in BC, you know, or even help with, you know, the overall mitigation of climate change. So uh, we are really looking at making this research applied to the industry. And that's why I've been doing all these um, experimental work or modeling work to, to, to gain more understanding and to anticipate what is it going to look like if we're applied to this in, in the industrial level. So all of our research is considering, it's going from the direction of how we can apply this in the field. And we've been thinking about using, you know, point source at the at the mine site, you know, from truck emissions. Uh, we're collecting these CO2 and then we sequester them. We're not just, you know, oh, this react with air, that's great. And that's it. Yeah. Now you were saying that um, the sequestration varies from mine to mine, right? Yep, exactly. Um, what are some of the factors that can change how much a particular mine can sequester? Oh, there are many things. For example, how large is the mine? How big is your tailings facility? What kind of deposit do you have? Because most of the tailings that we've been studying is ultramafic. Uh, we don't... Ultramafic? Yeah, ultramafic. So, um, uh, so they're very heavy in iron and magnesium. Uh, uh, thanks. So uh, they, 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 they're not... Um, so they have, that's why we, we use labile magnesium as a, as a, as a, as a reactivity uh, characterization tool to understand the capacity. And even, so ultramafic means mineralogy would matter, right? So what kind of minerals would, would present in your mind that is capable of helping me with this chemical reaction um, that can sequester CO2. So, um, so there's chemical conditions such as your pH, your temperature, your your pressure, where the location of the mine is, what type of mine, how big is the mine, you know, many, many things. Your truck, how many trucks you have, how, 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 how many CO2 you emit from your electricity production, blah, blah, and all that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always interesting to think about um, how many different factors can change something as complicated as the uh, CO2 output of a mine. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite part of your work or, or one that excites you the most? Um, I think, well, I can't really say that I love experiments considering I've been doing it for three years. And um, I think the most exciting part is uh, whenever I thought about the future of this research, I'm very excited. And I see that as something that I can contribute and it can change something. It can make some changes to the world. And I'm very proud to talk to other people about it is what I'm really excited about. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're not only contributing, contributing to the wider body of science, but you're also um, creating something tangible to help uh, humanity right here and now today. Yep, uh, so exactly. I want to say thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Greg. On the behalf of the, the rest of humanity. <laughs> um, now, today's podcast is all about celebrating uh, scientists of color in EOAS. Uh, mm -hmm. However, we realize that this isn't always the case. Um, and so in general, have you found this field to be uh, welcoming or hostile? And has there been an 
um, an occasion when your uh, race has affected your studies or your work? Um, <clears throat> uh, personally, um, I'm an international student. I'm from China, so I'm, I'm Asian. Uh, by by by, if we're trying to distinguish here, uh, I'm also a woman, uh, a female. Sorry. Uh, so, I I I haven't particularly found that is going to impact that that is impacting my current research in my master's, and I'm lucky enough to get this opportunity here. However, um, speaking from my own perspective and experience. I have to say that uh, within our department and in this field of studies, there are very less females and there are less Asians. Uh, and I think this is going to be something that's quite hard to change in the future. And uh, considering that, you know, Asians, we always have this uh, language barrier that we have to, we have to overcome and also um, less students out there who and there's less people who understand what does geoscience involve and what do we study and what are the career paths that that that, that might be available for us and i think this is very hard and i don't think this is going to be easily um cha changeable in the next 50 years um and another thing is that um i think in the future for me to acquire for careers uh, <clears throat> I think it's not going to be that easy to uh, considering my status in Canada. And um, uh, I think I would, I would definitely encounter some sort of um, hard, hard, hard situations, uh, which I, I couldn't really anticipate now. And I, I don't want to speak too much in details, but um, when I was trying to hunt for jobs and stuff, I, I do found that, you know, there is certain, certainly, um, uh, a, a preferred versus someone that you know you're all pretty good and there's I, I think I think the problem definitely exists but but I don't but I think if someone is 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 great enough then then you can persuade other people that you are capable for the job and and I certainly think that in the future when I go pursue careers when I'm trying to find jobs in the job market I would encounter some difficulties for sure um and from science perspective, I found that students, uh, Asian female or Asian population in this department isn't that high. Um, and I feel like the difficulty comes from language, comes from studies. Um, so I feel, I hope this can be changed in the next five to 10 years. Uh, and I'm willing to really help to contribute to that. Excellent. Uh, now, I, I've been talking to you a little bit. Um, your English seems, you know, pretty much like a native speaker. Uh, do you still consider yourself to have issues with that or? No, um, I, I personally, okay, I have to be honest. I think one of the reasons why that I'm able to come this far in terms of where I am for opportunities in terms of doing master's and further doing PhD with my current supervisor is that, you know, I'm lucky enough that I speak pretty good English. I didn't have a lot of trouble communicating with people. Um, I started, start, I started, I started, I started learning English when I was very young, and I was able to have a great pronunciation. I'm able to communicate with people, so I think this is one of the key part and the most important part that I was able to get myself this far, and um, uh, and I think not being able to talk to express your voice. For a lot of people, a lot of international students in this university is is a 
very big problem. Um, and they and they're shy and they don't want to talk. They prefer to stay within their comfort zone, mm -hmm. and and that's where the difficulty occurs. Okay. Um, now, earlier you'd also mentioned that there may be some perceptions of uh, what Earth, Ocean, and Atmospheric Sciences is. Um, would you care to comment on that? Um, yes. Sorry. What is perception? Uh, just how um, people see uh, this field. Oh yes. Okay. So um, I think we have a, we got a lot of stereotypical ideas from people, and especially when I was talking to a lot of my uh, students that I tutored outside, who is you know undergrad at UBC who are Chinese international students. What they what I, the most messages that I receive is that oh you know EOAS is is I'm taking these courses because they're easy to get marks and I can get good grades and I don't care about what I'm studying at all. And this is something that I really really don't like to hear. They don't appreciate what we're doing, what we're studying, and how this subject is a science subject. And um, they just never learn to appreciate this, and they don't go in-depth into it. And that's what I think one of the most very difficult and challenged thing for us to be able to tell them that we are a field of science and we are very important. We study what is happening in this earth, on this planet, it's something related with, you know, human death or alive. We study, you know, big scale science. We are different from geography. We don't, we are not geography. We're not the same thing. So it's like every time I always get this question, what is the difference between geology and geography? I thought you guys are the same thing. And I was like, no, like we are different. <laughs> It's a, it is a faculty of art subject versus a faculty of science subject. We're not talking about the same thing. We are, yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, bias opinions about what we are as a science. Uh, we, we are as a science subject and what, what does this field involve? We study Earth's ocean atmosphere. And we study all this natural process. Um, and I think, and I think this is this is something that we really need to overcome as as a department and, and let people know. You know, uh, yeah, com chemical chemical engineering sounds cool. Computer engineering sounds cool. Yeah, we are also we're we're all science. We're all we're all subject that you should treat equally. We're not something that you can take because it's easy and for good marks. It's just not something that I would like to hear. You know, when we were chatting and you brought that up. Um... Mm -hmm. I found it really ironic because, I mean, I grew up here in Canada and uh, even growing up, I heard that being repeated um, around my university. So it's really interesting that that actually um, mm. that sends multiple cultures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> now, um, thinking of something which is transcending everything, uh, we're in the mm -hmm. middle of, or I guess hopefully at the end of the uh, COVID epidemic pandemic um has it impacted your work oh yeah uh, um to be honest i'm i'm personally someone who like to get get outside the house once in a while and um not being able to commute to work regularly uh having a work life balance is been very very hard has been very very hard for me uh i personally don't like the feeling of working from home I feel like I'm not getting a lot of exposure to outside and I don't get a lot of activities. I don't get to talk to people with normal socializing. 
and it's very isolated. I, I, I really don't like the feeling of working from home so far. And yeah, but I understand this is a difficult situation. So, yeah. But you've been able to work from home, right? Yes, I was able to because I was lucky enough that I've been working on wrapping up my thesis. So I've been doing writing for the past month, oh, like continuously great. writing. Yeah, I've been writing, editing, writing, editing, and just wrapping up, doing some data analysis, graphing. I'm very, very fortunate. I don't have any lab work to do. I don't have any field work to do. I just have to do computer work. So I'm able to do work at home. But I hope this can uh, end soon since I'll be starting new projects and I will need to get back to the lab and get back to the field and, and do stuff. Excellent. Well, mm -hmm. I hope you get to uh, get back into the, the uh, lab soon. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hopefully everything calms down. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, that's about everything I have for today. Do you want to say anything before I let you go? <clears throat> uh, no, not anything particular. Uh, I would like to appreciate that the department offered us this opportunity to be able to express our opinions and uh, let us talk about how we feel during this special time and how um, they support this diversity movement, although I think this is going to be a long-term goal, but I'm happy to work with um, the department and together with other people in this department to improve it. And I think I'm very representative of one perspective of the world, of my population, um, of people from my country. And I wanted to... Um, yeah, have a voice. And I think I really had a voice here, which is great. Absolutely. Uh, I think you did a great job with the interview today and I want to thank you for participating. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening to Quarantine Conversations. For more episodes like this one, please visit our website at pme.ubc.ca slash learn slash quarantine conversations.